0: Welcome, my good friend, Steve Treichler, to the podcast. Steve is the Upper Midwest Director of Acts 29, and he's been a good friend of mine since we planted the church about 10 and a half years ago. So we have a really great conversation here dealing with church planting and why it's a big deal for the Vine and for many other churches, and I hope you're encouraged by it and the vision of our church just gets more deeply rooted into all of our hearts and minds. Welcome to the Vine Church podcast. Uh, we call it the Vine Conversations. And um, you're the first, I think you're the, no, you're not. You're not the first Acts 29 mm-hmm. guest. We had Tyler uh, St. Clair on twice now. Yeah. Uh, to
1: talk He's about you He's younger, stuff. better looking than I am. So it's a good choice. That's,
0: that's hard to be better looking than you, Steve, but we'll, uh, yeah. we'll take your word for it.
1: Yeah. You Let need me. a, subs- you need a prescription check there.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you this. Um, just in light of like current events of 2020, you know, everybody's aware, mm-hmm. how has that been for you and your church, um, downtown Minneapolis church, um, large church, mm-hmm. um, what has that been like for you in terms of specifically mm-hmm. navigating challenges of division and people that uh. be- believe different things, mm-hmm. um, how has that been for you and like just lots of strong opinions about lots of different things?
1: You know, that's a, that's a really great question. I do feel like in a lot of ways um, we have worked very hard at this for so many years. Um, You know, I, I think uh, when we started the church, we were, we, we'd even would say things like, yeah, we're, we're conservative when we look at our view of the scriptures, but when we look at culture, we're going to be generous. We're going to have a generous understanding of culture because we don't expect—I don't expect um, uh, regenerate behavior from an unregenerate crowd, right? I mean, sure. that's that's unrealistic. So you know, we we kind of had that that idea and so therefore you attract people from all stripes. you attract people who are on the spectrum because of your conservative theology. In other words, what I mean by that is we believe in inerrancy. Uh, we believe that you know Christ actually did come, He actually did die, He uh, actually did pay for the sins of the world that uh, you know some of the I mean basics, what we used to call the fundamentals way back in the day and now you can't call it that. A- as a result of that, you tend to attract people who are, conservative theologically and then conservative politically Mm -hmm. but because of your approach to culture which it's not we don't shame culture for being culture you don't you don't shame it um that's your that would be like asking um you know someone who's unable to walk to walk Uh, and so we don't do that and as a result people who are curious about Christ or, or maybe do hold to uh, a strong view of the scripture, but also with maybe lean more in the category of at least culturally liberal, or maybe even politically liberal, they come to our church. And so we have, uh, I always like to say we have half Democrats and half Republicans and half of you don't care. And that's bad math, but that's good sociology because about, about half the people just don't care, but they do vote one way or the other way. Maybe that's the way they're raised that's the way they, you know, think. And then you have probably about a quarter of the people at most that are strong on one side and a quarter of the people are strong on the other side. I, I would actually put that now into like 10%, maybe 10% are way over left, way over on the right. And so, you know, for us being right down here in Minneapolis, uh, you, you got hit with, uh, you got hit with the coronavirus, which wasn't political at all for about
0: <laughs> five seconds six and a half minutes. <laughs> right, yeah. Right.
1: And then it became very political. And then it became about mask wearing or not mask wearing, closing things down or not closing things down, right. right? And it followed at first it didn't people didn't know where to scatter. Right. You know, which side, where should I go until, you know, some political leaders told them where to scatter. And now if you're liberal, you wear a mask. And if you're conservative, you yell about wearing a mask or da 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 da. And so uh, you've had to navigate that. But in addition to all that, then, of course, we had the, the uh, killing of George Floyd. Right. Which left us in a position where we have for many years now been taking up the cause of uh, justice in looking at racial issues and how the gospel infuses that. And that gets super complicated. hmm. It's super complicated because, again, I don't expect regenerate behavior from unregenerate people, but yet I'm asking for people to stop uh, being uh, racist overtly. So I think there's overt racism. And then I think there is the reality of what it's like to be growing up black in America or growing up uh, Hispanic or um, uh, just not of a dominant culture. And for a lot of white folks, they just don't even think about it. Now, I know some people have used the word racist there. I hesitate because that just gets you into a fight. And I don't – I'm trying to communicate here. and What I'm just – I say is there are distinct advantages that I've had because I'm white in America and that has not taken place for my friends of color. Now, I'm not I, – let's I, – I'm personally careful with the word racist because – um the, the way I grew up with the word racist, that's not the way it's being used now. It's kind of being used, if you're white, you're racist. Um, yeah. And that just some causes people, fights. Yeah. Yep, yep. And, and my feeling is I'd rather communicate clearly than cause a fight. Sure. Um, uh, I, I, I'm trying to get when people's hearts and mind in the church about about an idea that for the first time in their lives, maybe they will actually start to think what it's like for a black brother or sister, some, you know, which are right in our church, what it's like for them. Sure. You know? And so if I, I want to avoid some some of that language that's meant out there to really offend. And and some people would argue, well, we haven't been able to get your attention. We're going to use this kind of language. I hear that, but I I, I think um I I, I think uh <laughs> That hasn't got us very far. In fact, it seemed to divide us more um, and people seem to become more entrenched than listening, That's sure, my opinion. Sure. So,
0: so let me ask you about this, Steve, in these issues that are so challenging. Um, have you seen that pose a threat to your unity as a church? And if so, how have you dealt with it?
1: Oh, it's definitely a threat. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had in my backyard uh, and right during the the riots, I mean, we were right ground zero. I live ten blocks from the third precinct, so um for, the, I mean, for people that don't the, for people that don't understand what that means, can you define? Oh, that? I'm sorry. During the George Floyd riots, uh, uh the th- the riots that followed and the the burning that they burned a police precinct, uh, which is ten blocks from my house. I live okay. right by by that area, and so yep. there were thousands of protesters wandering through my yards, yep. two or three in the morning. I mean, yep. it was. It was hairy. And uh, I think I've had a lot of people back in my backyard yep. of, of both of all persuasions. Sure. But just they want to have a reasoned conversation about things. They don't want to be yelling, they don't want to just reduce all this down to a slogan that can fit on a cardboard card. Yep. They want to have a reasonable conversation. And I and I because I think there are a lot of good points out there. Something that happened for me is is when I, I when this whole thing happened again. We're a bit going through trauma because we live so close to the precinct. Yep. And my wife and I are going through some trauma. Just you know, literally, uh, I'm doing patrols for our neighborhood, wandering around, wandering the alleys. I mean, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do if there's a guy or something. Hey, you know, I don't know, but I mean, I I just. Uh, you know, we're trying to be good neighbors and I'm, I'm helping my, my neighborhood and some of the businesses around here that are are nervous. Um, and so that kind of adds up to you. And I remember just talking to the Lord and just, just, I really felt like I needed clarity and just some, I feel very discombobulated and I was led to go to Proverbs for 31 days and I spent every day and I just got one nugget out of Proverbs. Yeah. And in Proverbs one, there's a passage, um, where it says that uh, how long, I'm going to paraphrase it here because I don't have it memorized yet, but it says, it says, oh, you simple ones, how long will you keep on in your simple ways? Mm-hmm. And, and just what that made me think was I think the way of wisdom, the way of scripture is to listen and to hear some of the problems um, that are out there and not take it, you know, not take the whole thing, but not dismiss what people are saying. Yeah, You know what, that's an art that that I think the church has to learn is we have to learn nuance and we have to learn how to listen and we have to realize there's real pain out there. And some of the simple answers to that are are, are really foolish, you know, but that doesn't mean that that real pain doesn't exist. Trying to teach a church to do that has been difficult. I'm not going to lie, but we had a running start on it. And so we're continuing on. But yeah, you're going to have people that are, you know, at odds an, with each you know, other. Yeah. I get an email or two, you know, every week or so that people are just very upset or, you know, the selection was stolen from us or whatever and 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 you kind of have to go, well. Just so slow down here a little bit and talk yep. about this, you know.
0: Yep. But there hasn't been um like massive threats to the overall um, you know, integrity of your church.
1: No, there hasn't. Um by God's grace, um uh, you know this the, the this whole we're not out of this thing yet and so yeah. we're not right now we just went back to in lot mm-hmm. you know in- person services and we're getting about twenty percent so yeah uh, twenty to thirty percent at most and so we'll see what how this all drops out um but just from anecdotal data and from what I know of small groups and some of those things and no that hasn't been but boy there's been some difficult small group nights where people yeah you know go on either the racial issue or the um, now with some of the, the unrest in our uh, capital and things and, and Corona, you know, we're all, and and to add all this up, we're all a little Corona crazy. Yeah. You know, we're all a little bit nuts having been cooped up, which is not what we're designed to be. Right. Um, And uh, having not been nearly as productive as I think we're designed of God to be. And so, we're all a little Corona crazy, yeah. Uh, in addition, so to, you know, just kind of love allows me to just take some of the things people say and just okay, that's that's the Corona talk. <laughs> now, I I mean by that the virus, not the beer, but maybe for some of my people, it is the beer.
0: i jumped ahead a little too quick um and that was a really good opening um but just tell our people at the vine who you are um a little bit about yourself your family what um what took you to yeah just anything you want to share just to, for us to get yeah, to know you sure
1: yeah so uh i'm a native minnesotan uh steve treichler is the name i i came from a little town hibbing minnesota which is up there on the, the uh Iron Range of Minnesota, if you're familiar with that area, um, it's about 70 miles northwest of Duluth. And I came down to the University of Minnesota um, uh, in 1982, so that dates me, but in 1982 to go to college. And in uh, spring of 1983, I met Christ, and it changed everything. I was one of those guys who really didn't know anything about the gospel. Um, Let me guess, though,
0: you were raised Lutheran?
1: I wasn't. I was. Uh, I was raised. In, uh, I don't know if i want to out them. I was raised in another major denomination. Okay. Uh, uh, I was raised Presbyterian, but sure. the, but it was more of a liberal Presbyterian. And that time, and 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 you know, going back and looking at some of the confirmation things, I'm like, wow, there's the gospel. I just missed it. So maybe right. it was there, and I didn't listen, or sure. what? I don't want to. Um, uh, but I will say this: I do remember more sermons about how uh, the the arms race was evil than i do about the gospel but again it could have just been me who knows the um uh i uh when i came to faith then i just man that was something that really changed my life and i if i was one of those guys i uh, sorry to say it, but i was one of those guys that that uh man jesus just transformed me and i let you know about it i mm-hmm. i uh i had a lot of buddies a lot of beer drinking buddies and I would, I'd hang out with them and we would drink beer and I'd tell them about Jesus and, Amen and so um, we've, uh, yeah, that just kind of continued on through a long story. Ended up starting a church um, uh, in 1996 called Hope Community Church and I've uh, been the senior pastor and founding pastor, I guess, of Hope since uh, 1996. It's got three locations now. Each location has its own lead pastor. I just serve uh, I kind of call myself the arm candy of the organization, but that nobody will <laughs> let me put that on a business card. So It's a shame, but, brother. It's a shame. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I also have the privilege of serving with X29 as their, uh, upper Midwest regional director. Uh, I've worked with Converge and e also in helping churches plan it. I do not care who gets the credit. Um, in fact, Uh, if they they don't plant with x29 it means less work for me you know so sure i i I love church planting and love to see new churches uh we've had the privilege of planting 11 through our church now is that
0: autonomous churches or is
1: that is that yes well three three well excuse me two more two nine autonomous two that are locations gotcha but our locations except for um, pretty you know high level stuff are pretty autonomous it's a gotcha. pretty loose organization in, in one sense I mean it's it's the same name and uh, you know to their advantage you know they're they're getting all the privileges of being part of a, of a larger organization with systems in place and payroll and admin and da 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 da, da. Um, but they do have uh, you know when they're able to and one of them has they have local elders they make local decisions so. yep yep
0: Ninety-six. we started 2010, you're 14 years ahead of us, and um, you've planted a lot more churches than we have. What would you say at a high level, as you reflect back on the last 24 years, uh, maybe almost 25 years of, of being a church planting church, what would you say are the great joys of being a church planting church?
1: Yeah, I think, I. you know, it's, uh, in a lot of ways, I have three kids, I have three boys, three boys um, who now are all grown they're all out of the house now and but a lot of ways it's similar I mean I think I think if people think oh I'll just have a child and my life will be easy and my life will be you know it'll fix all my problems that's not the case at all Um, but at the same time you'd say the joys of having a child or raising a child or if you've adopted a child or or even if you just mentor someone uh, you have had the opportunity to see people grow and that's just, that's really fun. And so um, the, uh, I would say that's been the great thing is to just see um, these churches. Now, not all of them are still in existence. You know, it, uh, my view on that is if you're, if all of your church plants are are um, making it and thriving, then you're not taking enough risk in my view. Hmm. So I think, you know, I, I think there's a, you know, if ninety-eight percent of your churches are folding, you're probably taking way too much risk and not <laughs> yeah. enough. You know, working things through. But, but I, I do think we need, need to make sure we're taking risks and, and, uh, and so yeah, that's been the case. The there's so many joys associated with it, and I and I think it brings so much health to the the for lack of a better term the mother church. You know, the the sending church. I, I just think it brings a ton of health along with it as well. That, um, yeah, unpack that for us. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, often, oftentimes, uh, if you look at it at, at some of the models of church where it is people are tired of the regular church, they don't want to go through the rigmarole, so they create a house church kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not ripping on house churches here uh, as a model entirely, but a lot of times, the motive of that is I just kind of want to be with my friends and I don't really want to, I'm tired of being hurt by others. I want to get around people I trust and a safe place. It's, that sometimes has value I understand that but there's a lack of outreach is a lack of bringing in new people because that comes with a lot of risk and you will get hurt. promise you you will get hurt. So what what'll happen in some of these groups and I've seen it in, in a lot of even um, um, churches that, that lean into maybe maybe more of a missional community model or whatever and that, that's fine there's nothing again nothing wrong with it but what can happen is you tend to get in each other's business too much. You know, you, you kind of start, somebody says something like, you know, I think I'm going to get a new Toyota and someone just says, you know, I don't think God would, would have you uh, get a car. I, I just don't, have you, have you really given that to the Lord and that kind of falls in the category, you know, it's not really any of your business, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. no, not that we are, we are engaging each other completely, but, but I think you over manage each other and you, you kind of get this, this, uh, insider mentality you have too much time on your hands you, you 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 tend to you tend to worry about the pink color too much and you tend to worry about little things and you you start getting critical of one another and all this and the very thing you created to help you get away from this is now causing it i all that to say when you are decided to become a church planting church by definition you are you are giving it away yeah. you are saying the normal operation here has never been that we grow to become something so that uh, we will achieve to a certain size level or status level or whatever. That's never the goal. Right. The goal is how many, uh, how many leaders can we raise? How many churches can we get started? How many people can we impact the city so that when I'm done, I'm I'm 56 now and let's just say I'm planning on retiring professionally in nine years 65 mm-hmm. and I'm working another 10 unprofessionally so working with church planting coaching raising up leaders and all that but minimal pay you know then I can go to Florida whenever I want in the middle of winter you know kind of a thing mm-hmm. but uh, in 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 if in that nine or ten years here now hopefully we'll be in the 15 to you know whatever maybe 20 churches that we've helped start sure that's so. that's, you start talking about changing like a city, you know, changing the way the, the, the city thinks. Yeah. And, uh, and, and each of them are planting churches as well. That's kind of the way they're, they're at it. So you look at it and say, yeah, no one will remember how to spell my name, maybe Steve, but not Trichler. Yeah. I actually, that's, uh, I'm actually okay with that. But to think of the impact you can have on a, on a, not just a church or a few individuals, which is great, but thinking about, Hey man, I want to, I want to reach a region. Right. I want to change the landscape of the twin cities. And the way you do that is not be becoming one big church. We have plenty of those. Yeah. Minneapolis St. Paul per capita has more mega churches than anywhere in the United States. Mm-hmm. I think you do it by a lot of smaller churches Yeah, uh, that are, that are constantly raising up people and sending them out. So I actually think it's the, the most efficient way to, to change the landscape.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that that whole um idea of giving yourself away as a church, I think is um it structures the organization to have an others focused mindset so that I'm not prone to just look at my neighbor and and critique him. I'm prone to look out and go, man, there's something more important that we're now that's, of course, you and I believe in church discipline. I just preached on that last week. And there's a time when we have to like be the body of Christ and, you know, totally. all that,
1: all that. Totally. We're taking that for granted. But um, yeah. And let me back up to my comment here. Uh, I have bought in cars and I have had some of my elders. I've asked them, what do you think? Sure. That's totally, I'm just saying at times we we get so caught up. in Insular in focused, right? Yeah. And it's like, hey. It's kind of like the, the idea of, uh, you know, how people in the military generally don't get along until there's an enemy. Right. And then all of a sudden now these are my best friends ever, and I don't really know anything about them except I sat next to them while we were under fire. Right. I, I think the same is in the church is that we have to have a common vision and a common goal here. And if we're really pouring our time and effort and money into this thing, I don't have time really to criticize you for, you know. Preferential something. things preferential thing that's yeah. a great way of putting yeah. it uh, it's like you know what i can just have my opinion about those preferential things and so yeah. um and, and really you don't even think about it much Yep. you know so to me that's what brings a lot of health um because i am not just bent out of shape about other people's preferences yep.
0: love to hear you reflect on this and this is something i've observed in 10 years um but i'm i'm sure that you've observed it at a deeper level but i'd love to hear you talk about this um and your experience with it but we've we've planted two churches we've got a new church planting resident um we're getting ready to send our first couple um that's uh, part of our staff that are moving to ecuador to be a part of the work down there um And, uh, man, we've sent a ton of people informally because Madison is a revolving door, I think similar to Minneapolis, um, just based on who we are as a city and the industries here and all that. I have never once felt like we've been lacking in um, our needs being met as a church. In fact, 10 years later, I would say what... What God has provided is beyond what I ever expected when we first started 10 years ago. So like the whole idea of like, if we give, then somehow we're going to be left wanting. Um, I've never, I have never seen that. And to that point, I'm just not f- afraid after 10 years of doing it, I'm not afraid to send because I've just seen over and over again that God provides when there's a void, he fills it. And what, have you seen the same thing? Amen. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I think, oh man, over and over. Cause I do think the number one thing why, you know, people don't church plant fear. It, it is fear. And it is fear of loss of money mm-hmm. and loss of people, power, right. people, you know, energy And it. You're exactly right. And our first church plant, 10% of our people and 20% of our money walked out the door.
0: Yeah. That's scary
1: in the short term. Within. 12 months, we had received more income back, more people back, and God gave us a building. Now, I'm not saying you plant a church, God, you know, if you're right, we're not prosperity theology here. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> right. In well, one sense, I am. One yeah, sense exactly. I, am. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I firmly do believe that if you give, you cannot outgive give God. Amen. I just don't think it comes back necessarily. You know, I get a dollar, I get eight back or something. Right. I think or I that it will necessarily God happen God might put me through something very difficult, but it's always, He's always the Father who gives good gifts to his children. Amen. So in that sense, I am. But not at all like what you're you know, not this if you give, you know, hundred dollars that you don't have, God'll give you a thousand. It's like right. no, there's no, no, yeah. no, there, no. There's no promise of that. Yeah. No, there there's no promise of that. And mm-hmm. so um, so I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just using an example saying whatever God was trying to do here in Minneapolis. With his church, that's another big thing. This is his church. We're just, we're just managers of it, you know, you know. Yep. So, um, whatever he was trying to do there, he thought it would be a benefit to, um, to, to really take care of those things. Now, and I will say, over the years, we've planted churches, and it was one period. I think a time in eighteen months, I think, maybe it was, maybe it was two years, we planted three churches. Yeah. And man, that hurt. Yep uh and it, what what hurts more than anything and this is where you know i, I guess so some folks are like thinking they don't want a church plan to listen to your podcast or they should know the cost because here's the big cost it's not the money the money will come back we we found that people who come to our church some of them come because they've heard we're a church planning church and they're going to go out with the next church plan they've sure. already decided sure it's crazy We've had people who stand up on a Sunday and say, I'm the next church planter. I'm a church plant resident here. I'm having a meeting. We have people go to that meeting and they say, we decided the last time we saw this, that the next one we're going on. So we're coming. Yeah. And the church planter is like, I've never met you, you know? Right, so, right. So that the people will come back what, what, and the money will come back. What the trick is, is the type of people that leave. Yeah. That if you look at the you know that that bell curve which shows the innovators on one side the early adopters the innovators and all that, and then the other side it's the late adopters and the sluggards are those who will never change. Right. Uh, the ones who are the movers and shakers and really get things down, the entrepreneurs are on the if you're looking at the bell curve be on the left side, they're the ones who leave. Yeah. They're the ones who want something new and fresh and go right. get them. Right. That's what hurts because you have to refill that now granted some people from the a little bit you know what do they call them early adopters and then I, I can't remember all the names but they slide a little bit over but that comes in from new people and and that's the cost however what we're finding is being a church planting church if you're if you're cranking out church plants and up until corona you know, we were trying to. Now, right. admitted, Corona has slowed us down. We have. Yep. Uh, I, I, yeah, I wish I could say it hasn't one bit, but it has. I'm just being honest. Yep. But uh, what we have found is it's it's an attraction for young new leaders who want to get trained, and so we have a training process that we put them through, uh, in order to in order to be some of the next ones that go. So yeah, yeah, no, it's it's I think it's good for everybody, um, but you have to change the scorecard you cannot have the scorecard be how large is your church right because if that's the scorecard why would i ever do this This why would we send yeah i never would do that
0: yep yep have you read uh jd greer's book gaining by losing
1: no but it's one of those books that uh when you say the title i pretty much know the whole book right so (laughs) it's like piper's book god is the gospel yeah it's a great title thank you i don't think i need the book now
0: (laughs) no i'm sure they're both great yeah yep no that's good um he makes the same point and they've they're a massive mega church in north carolina i think raleigh and but he makes the same point the pain of sending leaders and he's just just never seen um Never seen God not fill the gap, you know. It might yeah. take some time, you know.
1: And no, and it and, does take time and 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 you know, you tend to, you know, I've done this for a few years now. You do affectionately, you know, uh, these people attach to you and yeah, it's yeah, they're still around you know we, most of our plants have been right here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area uh, but it's different you know it's different if yep. they're just not you're not seeing them on a weekly basis and, and those kind of things and so yeah it's uh, it's hard but
0: church, you know, if you think back to maybe where you guys were 10 years in and we would desire to be a church like your church that continues to just plant churches and not focus on butts in the seats, thankful for all the people that walk in our doors. Um, but it, like you said, we're not measuring success that way. If you think back to where you were at 10 years and if you could give us counsel as a church that desires to be a church planting church, um, you know, is there anything you would say? that maybe you would do different you know, think, or I make sure you do the same or
1: yeah, you are on the same, uh, you said you're have currently you've planted three. Is that what you said? Uh,
0: well our church and then two more. So yep. the vine and two more. And then we currently have just our
1: church planning resident just started. Right. That's exactly where we were at after mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so we made a, uh, we were, uh, I think we were three, church plants by the end of 2005 which made it would have made us 10 years old Mm -hmm. three or four right in there and then we just made a a goal to try to do 10 in 10 years we didn't meet reach the goal I think we did seven six or seven or whatever it was I am bad at math here get it all figured out I I, I have to look at the grid yeah it's all good yeah, but the idea is, I think you're. It is harder in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It definitely is, and for a lot of reasons. One of which it just it takes three to five years to get your church in a place where you can systemically plant churches. I mean, yep. I know something. When did you? How how old were you all when you started your first one? Uh, Two
0: thousand ten. I was um, thirty four. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. How old was the church you you started in? Oh, when we the first plant was. Uh, five
1: years in yeah ish yeah we, we yeah. were uh we were six yeah. uh and so um and i know ed stetzer talks about you have to do it by three um i i understand that i think uh with the type of churches that we tend to start they don't they uh and i wonder what stetzer would say now um but a lot of the churches that had a larger growth, you know, they would have a higher birth weight, so to speak, two, three hundred, or whatever. We we planted our first church, and I, I don't even know if we were two hundred. So um, it, uh, it's harder, though; it's trickier because, uh, especially as a as a solo pastor in those days, it you're losing a lot of your your leaders that yeah you know, not a lot of things. Yeah, I would say you're doing the right things, but you have to keep believing that what you're doing is we are doing the, the work of the kingdom. And this is the way Jesus wants to expand his kingdom is by winning people to faith, developing them, helping them to become leaders and sending out into start new congregations all over the world. Right. Yep. Amen. Uh, and so, and we, but you, that is not, unfortunately, that is not, um, that is not the predominant thing you hear in Christian literature, right? You yeah. just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ripping on them. Christianity Today, right? You, you read about issues in there, but what is Christianity Today? I mean, not the magazine, but what should it be? It's about church planting and people coming to faith and getting developed and watching transformation happen in their lives. They're part of the fellowship. They get raised up as leaders and they started somewhere else. Uh, we should just be reading about it. that's constantly what is the most important thing. Yeah. And and I don't know if that's boring or what, but people just don't write about it. People don't talk about it. People don't applaud that. And if you do that, it just seems like, eh, yeah, okay, that's not really cool. It's like, well, oh, that is the thing. And so yeah, I know you have it, but I would just, and I'd encourage your people, you are doing the right thing by by continuing on uh, with that pathway. I I won't say the name, because, uh, but it's a relatively uh, – Big name in church planting circles that I had the privilege of spending an hour on the phone with about, uh, let's see, it was before Corona. So, what was that, 1972? But uh, whatever it was, I can't remember. And, and he he was telling me what he had done, and they had talked about they had created all these systems, and they had helped, like, a 100 churches get started in, like, 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. And he was asking me what I did, and I said, well, here's what we've done, and and here's kind of uh, what we've tried to do with our systems, and we kind of create this network, and people are really tight. Um, they kind of do life, you know, the church plants are really close, and, and uh, there's really a brotherhood or sisterhood from the churches and all this kind of thing. And he said to me, I really wish I had done what you did instead of just trying to crank out this stuff and just making it happen and whatever, then we have, you know, not a lot of those churches really talk to each other and a lot of them aren't around anymore. You've done the slow, hard work of just creating cultivating relationships. And I know this is what you guys are doing in the Madison area. And, and that's hard. Let's just face it. It's hard, right? I mean, there's, there's setbacks, there's all kinds of things, no doubt about it, but it is the way of the kingdom and it is the way you're going to transform a city, a culture, uh, you know, and it's slow work. And and I've heard it said, if you're committed to this kind of church planting, if you're committed to this kind of uh, cultural transformation, it's like planting an oak tree. You, you might've planted it so that the next generation gets to sit in the shade. Maybe you right, don't. Right. So, but I, I would just say, you want to, I, mean, I know you came in with a vision. and I remember way back you came in a vision to wanting to see Madison uh, be engaged with the gospel and, and that's happening, but boy, it's just going to continue to happen. So this is, this is, you know, full steam ahead.
0: Yeah. Keep doing what we're doing, huh? Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I said to the church this past Sunday in light of chaos of 2020, um, the slow work of planting churches and building relationships and doing discipleship, um, doesn't change one bit. And it's going to be, it's not going to be flashy and it's not going to make the headlines, but we're just going to keep doing it, you know? Amen.
1: And uh, And I think even with all the unrest and everything going on in our culture, um, I think it has, even in my own life, just has uh, just like Corona has shown me about my, my idols of comfort and, you know, being my own boss and I can decide what I want to do when I want to do it. And Corona's kind of taken that away in a lot of ways. I think some of the, the, the urban unrest and the political unrest and all this kind of thing has shown us how, oh, I just really like living in a country that's safe and all of this. Yeah, and we're all vulnerable. We're all very vulnerable right now. And I think it just goes to show, yeah, but guess what? The gospel's not changed one bit. Amen. God is not less on the throne. Amen. One Amen. tiny little bit. And our message is the message of hope. Amen. What all these people are yelling for, the answer is Jesus. Yep. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what question you're asking. But I know the answer is Jesus.
0: (laughs) Amen, bro. Amen. Well, let me close with this, Steve. Um, A lot of people listening to this Uh, have heard about Acts 29 one time in our membership class, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, Because we don't, like, wave that flag necessarily on Sunday morning. But um, for those that don't know, that are listening to this, or you're new to our church, um, we're not a part of a formal denomination, but we are a a part of Acts 29, which is a church planting network. And so, Steve, um, why is it good for our church to be a part of Acts 29?
1: Yeah, no, I... Uh, I, I, obviously the, the, the thing that is the old phrase that everybody uses, but it's a healthy one is, uh, we're better together, mm-hmm. you know, and there's just something about having other like-minded people who, uh, take Jesus seriously, who take the gospel seriously, who take the Bible seriously and don't take ourselves so seriously that's kind of one of you know maybe that's not the way the uppers in Acts 29 would say it but that's the way I would say it Mm -hmm. that you know we're just not going to take ourselves that seriously Uh, but we do take the the gospel and the kingdom and we we actually don't believe that we're any better than anyone else uh, whether they know Christ or not Um, and so as a result I'm just a guy who happens to have known about learned about Christ in someone in college and man I want to spend time uh, helping somebody else Acts 29 is just a vehicle. There's many good ones out there, but it just helps us to keep in line with the gospel in line with following Christ and, and, and being there for one another. I know that uh, you and I've had a lot of talks about some of the, 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 you know, just the, the difficulties of ministry. Right. uh, Anybody who thinks that church planting is going to be easy. It's like, no, it's going to be difficult and there's going to be hard things. And just having that, that place where you can, can have someone to lean into. And then also, uh but it's not just that. It's not just a hospital ward where we get go get healed up, but it's also no, this is we're we're on mission here. We really right. wanna do something. We wanna cause change. And I have you know, I figure like I say, I want to go till I'm seventy five or as long as the Lord helps me not to to drool on myself. And <laughs> maybe I am already. I don't know, but the <laughs> but the uh uh, you know I want to go down swinging i want i want to see as many plant oh, many plants as we can get and as many healthy churches and healthy planters and uh, new people who follow christ and all that so um that that's kind of what at least in my mind that's why acts 29 and and to me i, I love acts 29 I'm, I'm you know I'm, it's every every organization has issues man every sure. church has issues that's right I, except yours of course but right. you know <laughs> right church right. does we you know, we're family, and sometimes your family members are a little weird, right? You know, no doubt about it. Uh, everyone does, uh, but at the same time, I would just say, oh no! By and large, this helps us to accomplish that vision uh, right. better than being on by ourselves, or, or at least in the, our, you know, what we've seen out there, uh, hitching our hitching our wagon to some other organization. Um, but I, I'm most excited about what's going on in the Midwest in Acts 29 and what's going on in the upper Midwest, obviously. That's kind of my neck of the woods here. And I just, I just love the churches that are part of our network. I just yeah. think you're so great and strong. And it's interesting. I, I do do enough, I've um, been around the Acts 29 world a while, and, and, I, and I do think we're turning some corners in some health and areas that need to have some health. Um, But one of the things that I've always been blown away by is I go to these meetings and I, there'll be all the other directors of areas and they'll say, hey, how are you getting your guys to plant churches? And I I always say, I do not have a single church that is not either actively planting right now, has a resident, or is dreaming of ways of working with others to plant churches. Not one. There's not one church in the upper Midwest. Yeah, that provides an element of health that that you know a lot of people are envious of and so I, I have to pinch myself sometimes how how fun it is to be a part of this
0: yeah amen well steve thanks so much for your time today man this has been a great conversation yeah, always good always yeah good that to you. i think um is gonna push uh push us forward and that's what this yeah. podcast is for and so um man brother it's been 10 years that we've been having conversations i really appreciate you and how you have um Indirectly had a huge impact on uh, on the vine, and so we just want
1: to say well, thanks. Well, everybody can be used as a bad example. That's what I'm <laughs> I'm going on for. Let me just, since I got the mic here, and you know, don't cut this out either, because I know you probably would, but I don't want you to. I, I just want your people to know how blessed they are to have you as their as their leader. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, you, you you seriously, uh, th- this is a man who flat out, if you just cut him any which way, he just bleeds Jesus. He just bleeds love uh he bleeds compassion i've been in several situations where i've just had the opportunity to see that and so uh y'all are very very fortunate to have uh this man who just flat out i know it comes through and is speaking and leading and all that but 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 no it's just uh i've had a chance to see him behind the scenes too and what you see is what you get this is a good man who really does uh, uh love the lord deeply and wants to see the kingdom expand so what more can you ask for
0: Hey, I appreciate that, Steve, and um, I really, so really you're appreciate bad, it. Badger fan. <laughs> All right, well, homie. Thank you. <laughs>